the answer exactly. is instead of looking for the needle in the haystack, go find the stack of needles, right? And they're out there. Like, and that, and that is actually to your point about your environment. Like if you're looking for a needle in pig shit, well, pretty much you're just going to find a bunch of pig shit. You're listening to the Rugged Legacy Podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Putnam. Ryan Mickler, thanks for coming on the show, brother. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to the opportunity, man. Yeah, uh, I always enjoy our conversations. You know, we've had them in the past. Uh, when I was following you on The Order of Man on your Facebook group, yep. uh, previously on my, uh, a previous podcast, but for some reason, every single time I think of a person that I should have a conversation with, especially about what's going on right now, it's always Ryan Mickler. <laughs> I, don't, I appreciate the vote of confidence. I don't know. That might be a little misguided, but whatever. I, I do appreciate the vote of confidence, man. <laughs> well, the only reason I say that is uh, you've had your own rise and fall and struggle, and you, you've came back up, and you've created this this organization, the Order of Man, and it's for men everywhere who need it now more than ever, especially when we have you know men being portrayed in a negative light for anything they could possibly do. We've got the outrage culture, cancel culture. <clears throat> yeah, no doubt. But one of the things that always struck me with your message was uh, personal sovereignty. And that's not to be confused with those crazy guys who are like, you know, sovereign citizens who say they don't <laughs> right. have to have a license or anything like that. Right, right. Yeah, people but, misconstrue that quite a bit, quite often. I actually didn't really fully understand the, like, the sovereign citizen thing until after I had written the book. I still would have called it the same thing, but uh, yeah, it's something we have to continually to talk about. Yeah, it's always going to be in the back. Well, wait, so you're a sovcit, huh? Right, right, nah. which is not the case, no, of course. No, um, but yeah, you created the Order of Man uh, at a time right when we were getting into the entrance phases of uh, toxic masculinity, uh, the future is feminine, all, all this other crap that started getting spouted from, uh, whether it be the left or the middle or, you know, the social justice warriors. Mm -hmm. Um, did you expect at all for the order of man, uh, to be, to fit so perfectly into the slot that it was needed in when you started? <laughs> no, no. I, and I've told you this before is I, I started it for selfish reasons. I just, I'll, look, man, all I wanted to do at the time, five and a half years ago was to have conversations with men I was inspired by. <laughs> That's it. Like there was no grand scheme. There was no plan. There was no reclaiming and restoring masculinity. There was no protect, provide, preside. None of that stuff that you hear today from me is like, is it was even remotely on my radar. I just thought, you know, there's, I'm struggling. I know there's other guys struggling. There's some men that have it figured out. If I can just talk with them for an hour, then maybe I can get some of my own shit figured out. <laughs> and that was it. That was, that was the birth of Order of Man. And obviously it's trans transformed since then, but uh, it's been an interesting ride to say the least over the past five and a half years, man. Yeah. It, I remember watching when you were first getting started and I remember your very first uh, Order of Man podcast. Yeah, and I haven't even listened to it. I don't want to listen to it. <laughs> man, it's it's basically just uh, an okay recording of you yelling at a wall. 
Is that you, what it is? Yeah. yeah I mean, right. you had, yeah, you couldn't have had any idea where this thing was going to go. No, of course not. Of course not. Yeah, but you know, you said that you wanted to have great conversations with great men, and that's ironic when we were, you know, again, like I said, in the beginning phases of leading into a time where conversation is pretty much obsolete. You can't have a conversation with anybody these days, and so it's it's kind of ballsy to want to have difficult uh, and somewhat un-PC conversations uh, with anyone today, especially if you're going to make it public. Well, I didn't think that was going to be the case. Like, I didn't think talking about what it meant to be a good and capable man was, was controversial. I, I didn't think that was an issue. And five and a half years ago, it wasn't as big of an issue, issue as it is today. And I didn't know that talking about being a husband and believing in God and wanting to have kids and, and believing in loving this country. Like I didn't know five and a half years ago, those were going to be controversial things. It's hard for me to imagine that they're even controversial now, but I, I said this in a Twitter post I made earlier and, or Instagram, one of the two, I, I, it all kind of blends together at this point. And, and I, I basically said, you know, I, I just, I can't believe that, that we're in these times, you know, like that, it, that these things are controversial, that, that we make up this dumb shit to worry about. And that's what it is. Like, look, I'm not trying to undermine what people think they're going through. I'm really not. But I believe that human beings want to find meaning and purpose so much, which is, it, it's found in struggle. It's found in overcoming adversity. So we want it so bad that absent any, any suffering, because we really don't in modern times, we don't have suffering. We're not oppressed. There's no people that are oppressed here in the States anyways. Right. So absent any real levels of stress, any real oppression, any real burden, we, we just make up dumb shit to worry about. Because we think that if we have something to worry about, then we can overcome it. And in overcoming it, it's just hardwired into us that we will find meaning and purpose. And, and I told the guys, I'm like, look, you better make sure that the fights you're engaged in are actually worth fighting for. Cause that's what I'm seeing in society right now. People are worried about crazy things, statues and, and, and the flag and Mount Rushmore and BLM and this and that. And I'm like, you know, I just race issues. I'm like, I just don't think they're as prevalent as some people would make them out to be. And the underlying root of that is you don't have enough real shit to worry about. So you're making things up so you feel important. I think well, that's what's happening in society. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like I tell my kids that, you know, when they get mad that the Wi-Fi is lagging or, you know, if uh, we don't have any more, you know, something in the pantry or right. you know, if, if right. that's your, and you get pissed about that, I'm like, if that's your biggest problem, I'm a pretty good dad. Yeah, life's pretty good right now. Yeah, life's pretty yeah, if good. If you don't have a fruit snack to eat today, like you're good. You're okay. You're gonna be all right. Yeah, you don't have to worry about Genghis Khan breaking down the door to steal you. <laughs> you know. Yeah, not only to steal you, but to kill your father, rape your mother, and then completely, you know, take over your your your, your tribe and enslave you for the rest of your life. Yeah, like, you don't have to worry about that. It's well, pretty good. Yeah, not bad. But yeah, I, I absolutely uh, agree with that. You know, we don't have enough big things to worry about. Our biggest problem is we don't have big problems anymore. Mm -hmm. 
And so we turn small problems into big movements because like you said, people are just drawn to trying to uh, have something to overcome and they don't have anything to overcome. Yeah. You know, and, and on that point, people actually do, but what, what they do is they neglect to see what it, what it is in a helpful way. And so what they end up doing is they look at external factors. So my boss was an asshole and he fired me unjustly, or this client didn't do business with me, or this person said the wrong thing, or they looked at me weird. And so now I think they're trying to victimize me. That's all external and you have no control over the way other people respond. And in fact, you're, you're just making things up anyways, but you do have enough to worry about. Every single person does. And it's yourself like worry about your own shit. If you just spent more time focusing on yourself, forget about my boss is an asshole. My wife is a bitch. The economy, this, the president, that like just worry about yourself. Okay. So you got fired and you think your boss is an asshole. Well, yeah, maybe, but maybe also you were a shitty employee. Like maybe you didn't pull your weight. My wife is a bitch. Maybe that's true, but maybe also you're a dick. And so you can't control her behavior, but you can control yours. And when you talked about sovereignty earlier, that's what this is about. It's about reclaiming responsibility for your own life. You know, those things exist. I'm not saying that you need to ignore those things. I'm not saying there's not injustices. I'm saying there's nothing you can do about it. So just fix yourself and things will start to align. I was going to say almost miraculously, but it's not a miracle. It's just... It's just eternal principle. It's the way it works. You fix yourself, results start to improve. This is not a hard thing to understand. Yeah. And, you know, like we were talking about earlier, I, I read your book uh, when it first came out because uh, you were gracious enough to have, send a copy to my son for his birthday. Yeah. Uh, thank you again for that. Yeah, you're welcome. But when I read it then versus uh, read it, you know, over these past few weeks, it seems like it's almost more important now considering the way this shitstorm of a whirlwind of random uh, outrage and cancel culture is just being thrown in our face. And I mean, people are getting fired for something they said to someone 12 years ago. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, or businesses or, are or getting fired attacked. for something they said, you know, five minutes ago that really isn't all that controversial. Like men can't be women or I'm not going to bend my knee and, and, and subjugate myself to this movement like that. Okay. And like, why is that a big deal? That shouldn't be a big deal. You know, it's always amazing to me when somebody says, Oh man, thanks for showing up on time. Or thanks for, thanks for following through. I'm like, and they act surprised. I'm like, bro, that shouldn't be a surprise. Like yeah. it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be noteworthy. It's sad that some of this stuff is no, like when you find somebody who actually stands up for what they believe without apologizing and acquiescing to the mob, you're like, Whoa, look at how courageous this guy is. I'm like, you know, I can appreciate it, but like that shouldn't be something of, of note. Like everybody should be doing that. And yet we live in the weakest society that we've ever lived. Uh, and this goes back to just making things up to be concerned about. Yeah. You know, when the bar is really low, you know, any type of accomplishment or something that's not part of the status quo is seen as, you know, outrageously courageous or. Which is uh, actually awesome because. It's easy to stand out. That's right. Like you're, so if you tell, if you're, if, if I ever hear anybody complain about like, 
I don't know how to start a business. I don't have money. I don't have connections. I don't have resources. I'm like, dude, all you need to do is show up on time and be consistent. Like the, like you said, the bar is set so pathetically low that if you just take a step six inches off the ground, you'll get over the bar. And yeah. it's unfortunate that it is that way, but it's also a pretty cool opportunity for an average dude like myself to just start talking and over five years build a seven figure business and reach millions of men across the planet. All because I did something that frankly isn't all that special. It's just talking. It's just expressing myself. It's just learning along the way and figuring out some of this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's ridiculous that now the, the excuses are less you know, effective than they were before. You know, maybe 10 years ago, if I wanted to start a business or create, I don't even think it was a thing 10 years ago, but personal brand, I'm pretty sure the barrier of entry was, you know, significantly higher than it is today. Yeah. Um, of course, there was, it, a, there was a gatekeeper there keeping, you know, only the worthy shall pass, you know, like, like Indiana Jones, you know, you have to prove yourself worthy to pass through these gates. It's like now anybody can do it. Anybody with a, um, a laptop and we all have one. And you could buy now this mic's a little bit more expensive, but you, I think the first mic I started on was 70 bucks. So you need a computer and a $70 microphone. So what are you bitching about that? You can't start a business. You don't have 70 bucks. I'll come on. That's crazy. Yeah. Send me your PayPal. We'll hook you up and we'll get this going. Yeah. If it's, <laughs> if it's, if you're really that, if that's, you're really hard up for $70 and you feel like you can impact the world, like we'll, we'll help you out. Yeah. Uh, but the bar is also incredibly low to be a good man because I, I feel like we've entered into society where men are now afraid to be a good man because of the you know societal impact or not societal but the uh, social impact that that will have uh, with people getting pissed and outraged and you know I wrote a book called Leading Your Wife and you won't believe the amount of threats I've gotten for that damn thing. What a ridiculous thing. I mean, leading your wife, isn't that awesome? I mean, <laughs> like I think you so. As, you as a husband want to be a leader to your wife? You want to honor her? You want to cherish her? You want to lead effectively? You want to be honorable? You, you want to be committed to her? You want to serve her? Like, how pathetic do you have to be to, to hear that, that, that phrase and think, what an asshole. Oh, he's a patriarch. Oh, he's this. It's like, come on. Like, your world root view is skewed you know you said something interesting which i don't know that i fully agree with you said the barrier to being a good man or the bar to being a good man is set so low i actually don't think that's the case i think that's the perceived perception of society right but but we don't hold ourselves i don't believe we should anyways men to the society standard because it's always inferior to your own or it should be anyways like you should be your own harshest critic and people will say oh ryan you're too hard on yourself yeah because nobody else is going to do it. So I have to be harsh on myself. I'm not abusive to myself, but I expect the best. When I show up for this podcast, I want this to be the best damn podcast I've ever done. When, when I get on my own podcast, I want it to be the best podcast I've ever done. When I go into the, in, into train or I go into do jujitsu, I want it to be the best session I've ever done. And if it falls short of that, I'm disappointed and I should be. And, and that's the antithesis of what we see in society, which is, the, the body positive movement, that the happiness thing where it's like, you know, just be happy with where you are. No, I don't. Why? 
I mean, I, I believe in my worth as a human being, but I'm not satisfied with where I am. And you know what? I've achieved some level of success. But why would I be satisfied with that? I've just unlocked the door to an entirely new potential that I did not realize existed. And if I'm satisfied here, I might as well shut that door because there's nothing else I can do. So I get really tired of hearing people. And again, you're talking about the society's bar, but the, the bar to be a man is not low. It's high. Society standard is low, but the, the bar to be a man is set very high and we should all be striving to accomplish it. Yeah, I agree with that. And that may have been what I had meant in the back of my head and it came out wrong. I'm not going to say it was though. But yeah, no, with, no, with I, I, don't think, bar, I don't think you and I are off are off there. I, I'm just saying I just want to make sure I clarify because if we if we measure ourselves against society standards, we are significantly setting ourselves up for failure and undermining our own worth and potential. And I don't think you mean that. I just wanted to make sure we clarified that. No, it, it's more of an in, in the terms of that with society's expectations of men being so low even the most minimal of effort can set you far above the other men out there. Totally. You want it. You want the woman, you want the promotion, you want to start a job like easy, easy, easier than it's ever been. Yeah. And you know, with, and going back to your book, which is, you know, the main reason that I wanted you to come on today. Uh, when, when you wrote it, we weren't going through any of this. It was, you felt it was important because it was, you know, we were having the, uh, the, the impact of the threats of toxic masculinity and masculine bad, this, that, the other. If you knew that society was going to take this weird little spiral downturn that it's uh, taken over the last year and a half, I'm not, I'll, I'll even cancel 2020. That's been weird enough, but <laughs> you know, 2018, 2019, yeah. um, if you knew that it was going to go where it's gone, would you have written that differently or would you have uh, maybe changed the message uh, in any way? I don't know that I would have changed the message, but the tone would have been different because I focused a lot on the internal, you know, at the time I was thinking a lot about what I experienced in my own life, lack of, of being able to lead my wife and my children well, the inability to run a business successfully. So I really frame the book from the perspective of you are your own worst enemy and, and you need to overcome yourself. Now that's still true by the way, but now there's some external threats that are more prevalent than they've ever been. And so not only do we need to overcome our, our own natural tendencies as men, but we also need to overcome the external threats that we see from the powers that be from media and, and those who would frankly subjugate us and, and, and make us their, their, well, bitches, frankly, like you just be my little cog in the wheel and you do what you're told and you be a good little boy or girl and, and let you have to serve the masters. And I'm fully not on board with that. <laughs> yeah. It I, it, it almost feels like uh, that scene from the movie 300 when Xerxes is telling Leonidas to kneel. And he goes, you know, I yeah. would, but uh, yep. my knees just ain't really what they used to be. Right. You know? Right. The, 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 the concept of sovereignty today is so foreign to people that when people like you or I or people who are a part of, you know, our culture, as it were, decide that they're going to stand up 
it becomes problematic for the masses out there. And, you know, men left and right uh, who are just speaking uh, from the heart about what it is that they believe about, you know, I'm going to lead my family. I'm going to be a good man. I'm going to be a good father. They're met with a whole lot of resistance now, a whole lot more than they were just a few years ago, a few months ago. And so the, I don't know the, that it's different, though. I, I think I think what's happened is these well, I'll just call them weirdos. These weirdos have been emboldened. That's it. Because they used to sit on the fringes, right? They used to sit over here and they weren't invited. And like their their thoughts were like, that's that that guy's weird. He's, he's destructive or she's destructive. They're they're resentful. They're bitter. They just want attention. Like all the things that we thought about the weird people. The problem is, is now they're emboldened. So they're becoming more vocal, but I don't know that there's more of them. I think it still represents the minority. The problem is, is that the majority, the masses are too busy succeeding and thriving and adding value and focusing on themselves that their voice has been drowned out by the weirdos who are focused on everybody else. So the 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 answer is that we just the majority needs to be more vocal and be more active yeah you do hear that term a lot uh you hear about this silent majority right maybe, that's maybe stupid, the majority right? shouldn't be silent no not only maybe like absolutely we should not be because what's happening is we're letting two to five percent of the people who are misguided who are who are hurt and damaged and have baggage in some way who haven't learned to deal with problems in a healthy manner we're letting those individuals dictate what 95 to 98% of us are doing and how we live our lives. And we think, well, I'm just going to keep my head down and focused on this stuff. That's fine. You know, like keep your head down, focus on your business, focus on your family, focus on your neighbor, but also don't let culture slip through your fingers because you're so busy that you can't turn now turn that outwards. And I think we as men have a responsibility to turn it outwards. So what we do, for example, is we focus first on ourselves, which is counterintuitive, but we focus first on ourselves and make ourselves as capable as we possibly can become financially, intellectually, with our relationships, with our career, and we just get in a good spot. Uh, and then we turn outwards. Now I can impact my wife. I can leave my wife like you were talking about earlier. I can leave my kids. Now I can help my neighbor. Now I can serve in... Uh, city council. Now I can serve on the school board and okay, well Matt, now maybe I run for mayor. I run for governor and now we expand it outwards and we continue to improve our capacity for sharing and adding value. We just can't be silent anymore because we're letting these people dictate the tone of the conversation. And obviously it's not going down the right path. Yeah. You know, that reminds me of the metaphor of, uh, of the tribe and the campfire where you know everything within the light of that campfire falls under our protection you know it's our job to make sure that everybody that's within the realm of that campfire the tribe uh, uh, to keep them safe and i think by being a silent majority and just keeping our heads down we're spending too much time adding logs to the fire to keep it burning, but we're not keeping our, you know, our eye on the perimeter and we're letting threats get closer and closer in because if you don't choose a side, you know, you're essentially just in the middle of the road. And the only thing that's in the middle of the road is roadkill. 
and you're going to get ran over. You're going to get overran. Your perimeter is going to get encroached upon more and more and more the less you speak up and stand for. Yeah, and and it's selfish. <laughs> it's immature. It's like the, the definition of immaturity. You know, I think about how many kids do you have, Jeff? I have nine. Oh, nine, nine kids? Holy cow. So yeah. you get this. Eight okay, boys, one girl. Okay, so I have four. Nine kids. Holy cow, I'm trying to wrap my head around that. All right, so I have four kids. Um, and if you look at kids, they're consumers. Like by definition, they're consumers. They eat your food. They spend your money. They take up your time and resources. And I say that with all the love of my heart because I love my kids, and I know you do too. But they're consumers. That's what they do. And they don't become – and I'm talking specifically with the boys, but I, I think this applies to, to, to the girls as well. They don't become adults, men or women, until they learn to produce more than they consume because that's what you and I do. We still consume, right? We eat and we, there's, it costs money and it's, we consume. But we produce more than we consume, which is why you're able to have nine kids. It's why I can support four kids because I, I produce more than I consume. So if all you're doing is consuming and consuming and consuming and never giving back and never helping and never producing, then you're being a boy. You're being a child. You want to be a man? Turn it outwards and improve yourself. Add, add logs to the fire so that that perimeter gets bigger, right? The light gets bigger and also focus that attention outwards so that you can serve more, pe more people and you can produce in a way that men produce. Hey, this is Nate from Unlimited Live Concepts, and we teach people how cash flow strategy can be just as powerful as investing. Imagine being able to earn interest off of every dollar that flows through your hands, whether you're spending it or saving it. We offer a lifetime membership to our financial education platform for $77, but right now you can use promo code RUGGEDLEGACY and save 50% off. With Go Hunt America, you can experience your own outdoor adventure at the touch of your finger. You can find hunting, fishing, and camping spots anywhere in the U.S., put there by private landowners, and you can even list your own. It doesn't matter if it's a large tract of land or a small duck blind. Just go to GoHuntAmerica.com to get started. Coming soon to the Google Play and Apple App Store. shift gears a little bit here uh i saw you would place uh had posted on instagram uh the importance of raising children right when you bring them into this world and i want to know what your opinion is on that do you think that with the way we're seeing people behave now do you truly and honestly believe that that can all be fixed starting at home or is there something more to it it's a good question. I don't know if I've ever been asked that question that way. Do I honestly believe that it can all be fixed at home? I believe that's possible. I, I, actually, I believe that's the only solution, quite frankly. Now, whether it will happen is a completely different story because we live in a degenerate society. I mean, look at the statistics on young men and, and, and girls being uh, raised without a father figure in the home, and you see how 
tragic, I guess would be the word I would use, but see how tragic it is that so many young boys and girls are being raised without having dad around. So do I think it will happen? Mm, no, I don't actually. <laughs> or at least it'll be a long time before we find ourselves in, in a world of hurt. We're not there yet. Um, but that's where it starts. Yeah, it all, it all starts in the home. You know, and I had made a post, this was weeks ago, I, I, I said, you know, something to the effect of if, if fathers aren't going to step up and father the children, then the government is more than willing to fill that role. Like our children are going to be parented. So who are they going to be parented by? Their parents or by the school system, by the media, by the government, by any of the powers that would be. They're going to learn from somewhere. And it needs to be at home. That's, that's crucial. And it's just not happening to the degree that it should right now. Yeah. Now, I know you, uh, you grew up without a father figure in your life for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And I did as well. And it was because of that, rather than in spite of it, uh, we chose to break that cycle in our own children. I don't know if that's entirely true for me, um, and, and I'll tell you why. I, I mean, I, I, I understand the sentiment, sentiment and I, I understand what you're saying there, and, and to a degree, I agree with that uh, because I don't want to be that type of father. But that being said, I had some men who were really instrumental in my life step up when, frankly, they didn't have to. I had coaches involved. I was involved at an early age in Boy Scouts. I had um, – uh, church leaders. So I had men that really stepped up that modeled what a man should be and taught me a lot about what it means to be a man, specifically on the football field and, and, and baseball field. So I do get what you're saying because I don't want, like one of my biggest fears is, is dying before my kids are out of the house. That's one of my biggest fears because they need me to be there. You know, they, they, they've got to have me present and I didn't have that. So to your point, I agree with that because I see the other side of it. Um, but I had some men to model in my life and that was very, very instrumental for me at a young age. Yeah. You know, for me, it was kind of the opposite. You know, my father did die before I was even school age hmm. and I had the, uh, the male role models that were basically role models of what not to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty common. Yeah, you know, yeah. And that led me down, you know, a pretty dark path for quite some time. And it wasn't until later when I became a father and it didn't happen overnight. I, you know, kids born all of a sudden I'm a good dad, but when it did happen and I started to come to that realization that I did not want to be the same type of man as those, mm -hmm. I had to start seeking out, uh, positive male role models. Yeah. You know, I had to start looking at, at rather than just saying, well, I don't know if this, this path is great, but I'm just going to say, screw it, stick with it. Cause it's all I know. I had to turn around and say, all right, we're going to, we're going to figure something out. And I started looking for those positive dads and those positive men that eventually led to putting me on the path that I'm on now. But that's a, that's a conscious decision that I had to make. And I don't think that a lot of young boys and a lot of uh, young women for that matter that are growing up in homes without fathers or, in, or even, you know, homes without mothers are actively seeking out that positive role model. And it, cause it just seems to be too, too comfortable to stay right where they're at. 
Yeah. If you get what I'm saying. Oh, I, I totally do. I, I think you're exactly right. I think you need to make that conscious decision at some point. And, and, and maybe some of it, if you just happen to fall into finding a mentor or a coach or be involved with, you know, a good boss or something like that, you know, you may, you may fall into it by chance, but I think the overwhelming majority of the time is you have to deliberately and intentionally go out and look for those things. I know for me, I hit rock bottom about, it was about 11 years ago now. My wife and I went through a separation and that was some of the darkest times in my life. And there's, there's a lot of reasons for that. If, if you want, we can get into it, but I'll, I'll, I'll say it this way is at the lowest point in my life, I realized that I actually needed to start taking responsibility and accountability of my life and find those people learn new skills, get new information. So I invested a lot of time, energy, money, resources into figuring out this thing called being a man, being a husband, being a father, being a business owner, trying to lead in the community. Uh, so I, I was very deliberate and intentional and it wasn't until I was deliberate and intentional about it. Did I actually start to transform my life? Um, but yeah, I think a lot of these young, young men and women who, who have grown up in, uh, some, some unfortunate and difficult circumstances never really become conscious of the fact that they can change, right? They can, they can develop, they can grow. They don't even, it's not even on the radar. It's like, why, why would they even do that? You know, it's like that it's, it's so deeply ingrained into them that there's no purpose or point for them even looking for a different life. They don't even know it's available. They, they only know what they know. So it is unfortunate, but uh, at some point we as men, Although we may have had tragic upbringings and difficult circumstances, need to stop being boys and blaming everybody else and all of our circumstances, and realize that we are that we are men, that we have control over our lives. And although those circumstances happened, we can no longer use those. Those I, I, I say it this way: those excuses expire, right? And if you're blaming your mom or you're blaming your dad, and, and as a reason for being a failure, for being a loser, well. I mean, you're 30, 40, 50 years old, that excuse expired decades ago. And now it's on you to do something about your life. Yeah, exactly. It comes a point where you, where you can't use that as a crutch anymore. Exactly. You know, if you're 21 and you've been in the house since you were 19, you, you know, it's, it's, it's expected that you may have some residual, you know, behaviors left over from the environment that you were constantly exposed to, but when you get out and you have these other opportunities to expand and to see what else is possible, it's not so much as just possible. It's more of an obligation that you have uh, as a man in this world I agree. to create something completely different if what you had wasn't all that great. And I think it's more so an obligation that if you came from, you know, like you said, a tragic upbringing or an un unfortunate circumstance, I think it's important and an obligation to you that you go out of your way to break that cycle in as many places as you can, not just with your own children, but like what you said, you're leading your community. You're, you know, I'm pretty sure you're a mentor to your friends' kids, you know, your, your, your kids' friends, you know what I mean? Um, it's, it doesn't just stop with you, you know, like we were just talking about before, that fire it gets built up where your light expands and you start bringing more into the fold. Mm -hmm. But I well, just think that, go ahead. 
Well, I was just going to say that's the difference between – I can't remember if we've talked about this before, but that's the difference between being a boy and being a man, right? A boy thinks of himself only the, because that's all he has the capacity to do. I'm not saying that in a bad, a bad light. I'm just saying like my, my three sons, I have, I have uh, three boys and a little girl, and all of them primarily think about themselves. I mean very rarely do they think about anybody but themselves, and that doesn't make them bad kids. It just means that's the nature of being immature, Right. So all of my time and attention and energy and resources are spent on on the consumption by them. And I say that with all the love in my heart for my children, <laughs> but they consume. Right. They eat my food. They break my things. They cost money like they consume by the nature of them being children. But a boy becomes a man when he learns that it's not just about consumption and he begins to develop the skill set and the mindset to produce more than he consumes. And when you produce more than you consume, that's when you can start turning your attention outwards, right? Because if you look at it like a bank account, if you were to go into a bank account or your bank and, and ask, well, how much can I withdraw out of my bank account? The bank teller is going to pull up the account and say, well, let's see how much you have in here. And if you need to withdraw $10,000 and you have $10,000 in there, then you're good. But if you need to withdraw 20000 and you only have ten, you're not getting it, right? So... We, we look at this like a bank account. If you're producing more than you consume, then you have a surplus. You have extra money or extra resources that you can then turn outwards. And how do we turn this outwards? Well, you coach your kids' sports teams, right? You, you serve in some political office. You, you run for office. Uh, you, you mentor. Uh, you, you volunteer your time and attention. You give charitably to organizations you believe in. You donate to your church. This is how we begin to turn our attention outwards, but we can only do it if we become men, which is to say that we pro uh, produce more than we consume. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you, you mentioned uh, being a mentor there. For, for you guys listening, being a mentor doesn't mean you have to go and pick someone and say, hey, I'm going to mentor you. You can mentor people that don't even know they're being mentored by you just mm -hmm. by being the example. I mean, for example, uh, you know, Ryan, you, you're my mentor. I, I look at what you do and I look at, you know, the way that you handle things. And I, and I look at the, uh, the kind of life that you live and the kind of man that you've become over these several years that I've been watching you. And I go, okay, there, there's a path. Now I'm not going to choose every single thing you choose. You know, I'm not going to walk directly in your footsteps, but you have to me been an impromptu mentor that I can look at and say, all right, this is an, a path that leads to a place where I want to be. Yeah. And so I follow that. And, and, you know, like I said, guys, for you listening, you can do that. You can seek out someone to be your mentor. If you, if you just start looking for someone who's leading a different life that you want to live. Right. And people will do the same to you. If you start leading that kind of life, people are going to take notice. And people are going to go, huh, that guy's kind of got it figured out. You know, that, that guy's doing okay for himself, and he's a whole lot better than me. Maybe I should see what he's doing. Yeah, no, it's, that's, that's definitely right. That, the, the mentor question is one that gets brought up a lot. You know, a lot of guys will say, how do I find a mentor? You know, and it's, I, I think the mentor-mentee relationship is a misunderstood one. I mean, you can hire a coach, and, and, actually, and actually there's nothing wrong with that. I've hired coaches right? Social media coaches, business coaches, fitness coaches, because I see these guys are producing a result for themselves and or their clients. And I want those results. So I'm willing to exchange value. 
meaning I'm willing to pay them to get their knowledge. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Uh, that's, that's one avenue. And then people are looking for the mentor-mentee relationship, but men t tend to look at it from like the, the best example I can come up with right now, and there's an infinite number of examples, would be like um, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi and, and Anakin Skywalker, right? Like they, they're looking for, or Luke, right? They're looking for that type of relationship, and very rarely does it work out like that, or very rarely does it happen instantaneously. It's going to happen indirectly like this, Jeff. You know, you, we're following each other on social media because we like what we do. Now we're on a podcast. At some point, we'll probably connect face-to-face. -face. We'll become friends. And so it just develops over time like any relationship does. So I, I think we do have to be very careful of thinking that we have to find that like Obi-Wan Kenobi in our lives and just realize that there's going to be direct mentorship. There's going to be coaches. There's going to be relationships that evolve. But as long as we expand our minds and open it up to the possibility that there's thousands upon thousands of, of people that we can be led and inspired and mentored by even indirectly, then I think we do ourselves a better service than waiting for the one guy who's going to be that official mentor that we have and all of our life's problems are going to be solved through him. So that, that's how I look at the relationship anyways. Yeah. You know, I 100% agree. The only detriment that I see, <clears throat> excuse me, the only detriment that I see for, you know, guys who are, you know, maybe actively, uh, seeking that indirect mentorship is that the environment that they've surrounded themselves, mm. you know, with, and the people that are in their circle, like you had said earlier, they can't see past that and they don't really know what else is out there. Right. Because again, they've gotten so consumed with what's in their immediate environment. And so I think that leads to the tendency to try to seek out that one, like you said, Obi-Wan Kenobi level mentorship where it's a one-on-one -on -one thing uh -huh. and it i mean let's be frank here you you already said it we live in a degenerate society and so you're, you're trying to find a needle in a stack of shit yeah i don't i don't i don't totally know about that i mean i, I hear that and I, and i get it i know a lot of the guys that join our groups for example do because they can't find strong committed men in their circle so i think that's what you're saying is like how do you find these guys the answer yeah. is instead of looking for the needle in the haystack go find the stack of needles right and they're out there like and that, and that is actually to your point about your environment like if you're looking for a needle in pig shit well pretty much you're just going to find a bunch of pig shit so instead of doing that get out of the pig shit and and put yourself in an environment that's more conducive to your success it's amazing to me how I, well I was going to say how often we believe that that we can produce some sort of magical results for ourselves when we wall around in, in, in manure. I, I just don't think people think about it, right? They, they think that they're, they're special or they're unique or somehow they're going to pull themselves out of the mess. It's like, no, you're not. You're just going to get pulled down in it. You're going to get dirty. You're going to stink. Like it's not, it's not a good environment. So worry first. Here's the first step. Get yourself in a better environment get yourself around better men. And then people say, well, how do you do that? You become the kind of man that you want, right? So it's all cyclical. Like you, you become a better man. Impro Look, here's a great example. Go improve, start working out. Go to, go to uh, some martial, a martial arts gym, go in, into, you know, the, the gym and lift weights. Cause guess where the guys are trying to improve themselves are. That's where they are. They're at the dojo. They're at the that, gym. That's what they're doing. Right? So 
you get to improve yourself. Oh, and also you get to surround yourself with 20 other guys who are trying to improve themselves. Instantaneously, you've changed your environment and put yourself in it. They're not at the bar, right? They're not, they're not hanging out, you know, doing whatever it is they, that you were doing in high school on the weekends because some guys at 40, 50 years old seem to still be doing that. That's not where those guys are. They're improving themselves. They're at the gym. They're at the range. They're taking courses. They're, they're serving in, in their communities. They're in politics. They're at business luncheons and meetings. That's where these individuals are. So just go there and start to be a person who's worthy of being in that environment. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, my 16-year-old son and I, uh, we, we just got back this morning at 5 a.m. We've been going to the gym every morning at 4. Mm. And I'm trying to get him into that mindset of, you know, even though it's uncomfortable, even though you're still tired because you got off work at 11 o'clock, we're still getting up at 345 and we're going to go to the gym for an hour mm -hmm. and we're going to, you know, bust our asses and then we're going to come home. And the first couple of nights, I, I really suspected I was going to have to pry him out of that bed with a crowbar. <laughs> but what he had said to me, uh, I think it was like the third day, because we're about three weeks into this now okay. uh, of going together at 4 a.m. Like the, the third night, he goes, I'm tired, but I'm, I'm, I want to let you know that uh, I'm going to be up before you tomorrow. <laughs> cool. I, said, I mean, you don't have to be. I mean, I can wake you up and we can go. He goes, no, I, when, I, when we go, I see all these other guys there at 4 a.m. who were there before we even get there, and I want to be like those guys, and I want to be like you. That's cool. That's Isn't that it. awesome? Because yeah. he sees that I'm not, I'm not just some oddball. It was like, okay, this guy's nuts. He's getting four hours of sleep, and he's going to the gym at 4 a.m. No, other men are out there doing it, and he sees these other men rolling up in nice vehicles. They look like they've got themselves put together. You see some of them, you know, coming out looking very dressed professional because mm -hmm. they're getting ready you know, or just got off of a job, and they're coming in. And he sees that they, they look and carry themselves in a squared away manner. And so that bleeds into him. Now, granted, yeah. I have the most responsibility by being his father. But again, I put him in that environment that while has some discomfort, because, I mean, we can go into the, you know, the more you struggle, the more meaning you find, especially if it's more of a, you know, a physical challenge for a man. But I put him into the environment where he sees that it's normal to mm -hmm. see guys pushing themselves to improve. And right. that bleeds into his influence. Yeah, it isn't looked at, and it won't as he gets old. How old did you say he is? He's 16. He'll be yes. 17 next week. So, you know, a couple of years, he's out on his own, man. You know, so he's going to look at that as, as normal. And, and what I see a lot of people thinking is that that's abnormal, right? That's special. That's something different. That's not for me. That's for those other guys. That's because they've never been exposed to it. I used to believe that. I'm like, oh, six, business acumen? No, that's that's not me. Wealth? No, no. Having having some property and being able to take risk and go on adventures and take vacations? No, that's 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 not for me. That's for other people, right? So it was, it was weird. It was abnormal for my worldview, but it's not now, and it's not for my kids because they see it. You know, we we run these events every every uh, every six months, four six months or so. And it's pretty cool because I see I get to see my children interact with highly successful men because these men come here to our place and we hold these events, and uh, that's one of the biggest blessings of having these events. Is not I mean yes I like 
sharing the information I have. I like improving these guys' lives, but I love being able to watch my children interact with it, see it, watch their dad do the, do his thing, see the other guys trying to improve. It's just, it's an amazing, amazing thing. We've, we've been able and fortunate enough to present them with a lot of cool opportunities. Yeah, that, <laughs> I remember when you first started the legacy event mm-hmm. uh, for bringing kids out with their dads for that. And man, that definitely needs to go ahead and replace the Boy Scouts the way they've gone downhill. We need to go ahead and work yeah, to get no, that official, turn that into a national organization. Yeah, no joke, man. It's it's a real travesty what's happened to the Boy Scouts. They started chasing the dollar and they started acquiescing to everybody's you know whims and desires, and that's what happens when you don't make a stand. You don't know what you stand for. They used to know, you know, they used to know what they stand, stood for, but they've lost their way and. Um, you know, they filed bankruptcy at this point, and unfortunately, you know, Boy Scouts is dead, essentially. It's all but dead, um, which is unfortunate because I actually was a Boy Scout. You know, I went through yeah. Cub Scouts, and then I did one, only one year of Boy Scouts before I got involved with sports, which, which replaced my time for that. But, um, man, and I was involved with Boy Scouts for 10 years. What a, what a great organization at one point, but unfortunately, they've lost their way. Inevitably, when I say that, people get upset. I'm, I'm not saying the, the individuals, the men who are doing honorable work within the Scouts are – are, are not doing honorable work. I believe they are. But when you have, I say it this way, when, when the, the plant or the tree is bad, the fruit is rotten. Like you can't produce yeah. good fruit from a rotten plant or tree. So that, that's what's happening. It's unfortunate. Yeah. And see, that was essentially, you know, the only place where a lot of kids whose uh, dads were gone or passed away or just shit bags to go and see what good men look like because you weren't a scout master if you didn't have your shit together. Yeah, no doubt. Dude, and that, it was an honor. Was, like you had oh, to yeah. work towards becoming, you know, you, 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 you climbed within the ranks, then you were an assistant scout master, then you became a scout master. And I know scout masters who, man, when they say it, you can see a little twinkle in their eye and how excited they are and how long it took them to, to get to that position and how they're helping. So it was a, it used to be a real cherished position. And these, like you said, were squared away men who wanted to do good by other boys. Yeah, well, a good friend of mine, he was a, he's a retired uh, Navy chief. And his eyes, his eyes spark up more when he talks about his time as a, a scoutmaster than it did when he was a chief standing on oh, the deck. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Hand. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because you know, you know, a chief in the Navy, yeah, that's fun. Everybody has a military camaraderie. But for him, the mission was more about getting these boys to men rather than about keeping these men to be men, you know? Right. Sure. Yeah. And, well, and, and working with kids is so much better because they're so much more impressionable. You can see their growth almost instantaneously. There's a lot of excitement, enthusiasm. Sometimes that manifests itself in ways that are difficult to manage, especially with boys. But it's still pretty exciting to see a boy come to life or to see you know, him learn something that he didn't previously know or overcome some obstacle that he didn't previously think he could. That's exciting stuff. Yeah, because it, it's almost like a uh... – a spiritual experience if you're mentoring young men and you can see a child who has been struggling with something you know whether it be you know time knots or mm-hmm. you know running power tools or whatever and you see that moment where it clicks yeah and he has that i can do this yeah moment that right there does it all especially as a dad you know uh I built this porch uh, a few weeks ago 
and I had my 16 year old out here and we were like, all right, we're going to measure, we're going to cut. You're going to be running the nail gun. <clears throat> we're going to get it all put up and together. I'm going to help you uh, get everything measured. I'll show you how to use the table saw, how to use the miter saw. And he was uncomfortable on, you know, the first three or four punches with the nail gun because he was terrified of shooting his hand. <laughs> but I mean, I admit I am too, but by the end of it, I mean, I've got a nice looking porch. Right. And when we painted it and we got it all set up and done, he looks over and he goes, I helped my dad do that. I, yeah. I know how to do this now. Right. Because halfway through it, it clicked on him. Oh, I got this. And he was pop, 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 throwing That's it awesome. all up. Every, all yeah. the balusters are nice and lined up. You know, in that, that moment, that one single moment of watching it click in a, a young man, who, especially who, he doesn't know anything about being a man or any kind of manly virtue or any aspects of what manhood is about when you can show them that and then they finally get it. It's almost a spiritual feeling. Like I said, yeah, you know, you're, you're watching them line up their stars almost. Yeah, man, it is. It's, it's, and you know, it can't be talked. I mean, it can be talked about, but it also has to be experienced, especially with boys. You know, if you look at studies oh, yeah. and see how the difference between boys and girls and how they learn, uh, boys more so than girls need to be in experiential learning. You know, if you just talk at them and yap at them, that's why, that's a lot of the reason why boys are falling behind in school because they're being lectured to and talked at, you know, all day, every day. And who wants to sit through that? I certainly didn't. So then what happens is they're medicated, right? Oh, ADHD. No, maybe he just doesn't like what you're doing or how you're teaching it. But do, would you ever even remotely consider that your boy had ADHD while he's building a deck on the, on the back of his house with his dad? Of course not. Cause he's satisfying that, that, that need to be involved and to, and to see what he's building and to use his hands and his back and to feel the, the, the power of the nail gun in his hand and, and to experience the risk of messing up and punching a nail through his toe or something, you know? So uh, all of those things make for powerful, power, ex powerful experiences for both father or a father figure, right? It doesn't have to be biological father, but father figure right. and, and boy, son. So it's cool. Yeah. And Maybe then he gets to enjoy it with you. You know, he gets to sit out in the deck with you and that's cool too. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you mentioned the school thing. Now, do you homeschool your kids? We do. Yeah. We, okay. I recently started homeschooling mine this past year. You know, our goal was to have them all homeschooled by the end of 2020. Mm -hmm. And then the coronavirus came in and they were all doing the virtual learning from home anyway. Yeah. So we just said, okay, we'll make it official because we're already right. doing it. Um, in my conversation with uh, Jack Donovan uh, a few episodes ago, we were talking about uh, a man's need for uh, to create order. That's that's what he's here for is to create order. And we got into the subject of schools. These young boys, I honestly and fully believe that these young boys that are in these classrooms being told to sit down, be quiet, shut up, pay attention, keep your head down, and do your work. They're falling behind because of that, because that classroom is already in order. They've mm. got nothing to place in order. They need the chaos of, like you said, the risk of shoving a nail through their toe or losing a thumb. You know, because I can teach my kid math problems while he's running a, you know, a, a miter saw, and he's probably going to get it because he's moving and he's putting things into order and he's creating order from chaos. Sure. Yeah. He's using and raw ingredients and raw materials and repurposing it to make something that's useful like a deck. Yeah. 
you know, it's like William Blake said, my business is to create. That's what men are here to do. We're here to create. We're here to build. We're here to conquer. And these young boys being told to sit down and shut up in a classroom, they've got nothing to create because that order is already established and it's imposed upon them rather than something they can impose upon. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I had never considered it or looked at it that way, but uh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, I have to think on that, but um, I could definitely, I could definitely see how that is the case. But yeah, I, I know my boys, they want to experience, they want to feel, they want to, they want to figure things out. They want to build things, right? And so they, they look at raw ingredients and they're always thinking, okay, well, what can I do with this? And there's a dirt pile. Can I make a ramp out of it? Right? So they're bringing meaning and purpose to dirt, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool what uh, kids are capable of if you let them do it, right? You just get out of the way and just let them experience, you know, let them go do their thing. Yeah. I mean, cause you know, my kids had, I mean, I've, I've got eight boys. And so you can imagine what, while I'm at work, my phone oh. rings and it's my phone rings and it's a principal or it's a teacher or it's a guidance <laughs> counselor. Yeah, man, you know, I bet. He, yeah. He's talking, he's laughing, he's getting out of his seat. He's throwing things. He's running, he's fighting. You're like, no you shit. Know. You know, he's eight. <laughs> Of course, that's what he's doing. Yeah. Like, instead of telling him not to throw things, give him something to throw at. Yeah. Okay, look, if you're going to keep throwing shit, take this and see how many times. You know, it's like the, the game that all men play. If, if you and I were just standing outside waiting on something, we're going to find rocks and we're going to find a tree. And we're going to end up seeing how many times we can hit that yep. tree with that rock. It's just what we do. One of the things that we do, uh, in, I'm in Maine now, but in southern Utah, my wife's family has uh, some property in the mountains and a cabin up there. And we all go up to the cabin and we set our camp chairs around and we just sit and talk. But one of the games that we play is we literally take a five-gallon paint bucket, set it about 20 yards away from us, and it's a gravel driveway. So we just pick up gravel and we just throw it in the bucket and just see how many times we can get it in. Because that's what we do, right? Like you make everything a competition, you make everything a game and we're just sitting there talking, but we're also competing. And so these are things that men, men enjoy, you know, just, just harness it instead of like rejecting it. Oh yeah. And it, it being suppressed so much in a classroom setting, I'm, I don't see how I, I went as long as I did without having my kids homeschool. I really don't because, you know, yeah. we had them in the virtual learning for the beginning of the semester with the coronavirus and all that other or the end of the semester when coronavirus hit. And now we're full-time homeschooling them. In two hours of sitting down on a laptop, we can get them up. All right, go outside, get on your bike. I want you to speed up and down the street here. You know, right. My wife, when I was when I was working a nine-to-five, my wife would take them out for 45 minutes of organized PT. You know, mm, we're going to do perfect. sprints. We're going to do jumps. We're going to do jumping jacks. You're going to do push-ups and up front back goes, run around the house, and then come back in. You'll eat lunch, and then you'll finish your other little two hours of work. Mm -hmm. And their grades shot up. Oh, yeah, of course. Because <laughs> now I they mean, can focus. It, yeah. When we started homeschooling, it was strange. My wife would do homeschooling, and it took us like, I say us, it took her, you know, t two, three hours or so, and then they were done with their schoolwork, if that, sometimes even shorter. And for the first week, I'm like, "Hun, are we teaching them enough? Like, they're used to going to school for like eight hours, and we're just doing it in three. Like, are they learning enough? Yeah, they are. It's hyper, hyper efficient because you have fewer kids, right? So, so that way they get more individualized attention. You're not slowing down for the the dumb kid in class, and it is what it is. Like, you have to go to the slowest performer in in a, in a school setting." 
Uh, and then there's recess, and then there's this, and then there's instruction, and then there's the red tape, and then there's the assemblies, and then there's DARE programs, and then there's the, it's like, oh my gosh, like they're learning out of an eight hour day, they're learning for two to three hours. We just happen to be hyper efficient at it. And parents are, yeah, they and do the rest it right. Of it's all filler. It's all it is. It's going from here to there and switching classes and going to recess. And it's like, gosh, dang, like this is such a waste of time. You know, or then you take your kid who maybe is somewhat bright and intelligent and he's got to throttle himself back because little Timmy can't understand, which, you know, I feel for little Timmy, but are we going to hamstring our, this, our kid because of that? Like what a, what an unfortunate situation. Yeah. That seems to be the mentality lately uh, of pretty much everything, you know, uh, cater to the lowest denominator and that right. sounds cruel, but the lowest denominator is going to be the lowest denominator and you can put him with the rest of the lowest denominators while the people who are high performers need to be placed uh, with other high performers so they can excel at what they do. There's no reason uh, or justification for trying to throttle them back. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, um, yeah, I agree with that. It's, it's hard because we don't want to leave kids behind. I certainly understand that. And we want to give every child the opportunity to thrive and to flourish and to learn what they need to learn. But if it comes at the expense of our high performers, then we're just diminishing our chances of success. You know, I, I actually feel this way with a very controversial matter, and that is women in the military. You know, if, oh, yeah. if, if you look at – and I think they're either they have or they're attempting to – standardize the PT test. Well, okay, let's, let's look at that. It just as a small example, an isolated example of this. So women, since they've been in the military have had a different physical requirement, right? It's mm -hmm. inferior. Like objectively, that's, that's what it is. It's, it's less than what the men have to do. So if you're going to standardize the physical training requirements, what's going to happen? Are the women going to be expected to meet the men's requirements? Or are the men's requirements going to go down in order to facilitate the women's requirements? Well, we know the answer to that, right? It's compromise. Of and course. anytime there's compromise, the standard is, is lessened. It's lowered. So I know that's a very controversial subject. Look, I have no problem with women in the, in the military if they can maintain the same standard as everybody else who's expected to perform. Because if, if we're in a combat environment, a combat situation, literally life and death, like I want to know that the person next to me, man or woman – can pick my ass up and carry me off the battlefield if that's the case or be able to hang mentally physically emotionally with the rigors of battle like it's it's really unfortunate that we we pander to the lowest possible requirement we can instead of asking people to excel and to thrive and to rise above and be exceptional yeah you know and that's something we do as men also even with our own you know smaller you know i guess uh, miniature tribes that we have, you know, we, we have our circle of friends and yeah, not everybody's on the same level of fitness. Not everybody's on the same level of, you know, income or whatever, but we push each other to level up. We don't lower ourselves, you know, fitness wise, we don't lower ourselves income wise or marital status or, you know, whatever, um, to meet them. So they're comfortable. We push them to level up and exactly. we're not leaving them behind but we expect them to pull their own weight. The price of admission in a tribe of men is results. Yeah. You know, and that's just how we are on a biological level. And so why would we ever try to lower the standards for anyone, whether it be in the military or uh, the school, the workplace? You know, if you want the equal results as the high performer, you need to put out the, 
equal effort, you know, as the high performer. Yeah, and not even equal effort. Like you actually need to produce the result, (laughs) (laughs) which means that for some people you might need less and sometimes you may need more effort, but you need to produce the result. Because there's this, there's these weird things in society to make make people feel good, which is like the body positive movement. You're good just the way you are. You should love yourself. Those are dangerous thoughts, actually. Um, or there's another one, which is if you just work hard, you'll produce results. No, you won't. Working hard is an indicator. It's one indicator. And if you work hard, you're probably gonna have a stronger likelihood of success all other things being equal, but there's other factors at play here. And so if you just tell people, Hey, just work hard and you'll, all your wildest dreams will come true. Well, you're lying to them and you're teeing them up for failure because I know some guys that work their freaking asses off and they aren't, they aren't ahead in life and they're miserable and and they hate things. So it's not just about working hard. So we need to be very careful of the words that we use and the phrases that we teach because these are the things that we operate by. And if you think, oh, if I just work hard, I'll get ahead. Uh, you might find yourself in a bad situation thinking, what the hell happened? I just, I thought I was just supposed to work hard. Well, there's more to it than that. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of when, uh, back when I was homeless, you know, we had, uh, it was me, my wife, she was pregnant with our eighth kid. We lost mm. the house because I had lost a job and we were all living in one motel in a, in a motel room. And the only place I could find work was in one of these work today, get paid today places. And mm-hmm. We were in West Texas out in the desert. And my job was to turn big chunks of concrete into smaller chunks of concrete so it could yeah. be loaded into a hopper uh, and made into gravel. I worked yeah. my ass off, you know, swinging an 18-pound sledgehammer for 10 hours a day with, with $56 in take-home pay a day. Mm-hmm. You know, that didn't get me anywhere. I had to you know, make an adjustment. I mean, it kept me from being on the street and kept food in my kids' bellies, but I had to make an adjustment. I had to, you know, get up enough money to fly 1,100 miles away and seek out more efficient means of getting the result, which was, you know, more money to get a house and all this stuff. But working hard didn't get me anywhere. It just kept me on an even keel. Yeah, I mean, and it'll, and it's, in a lot of ways, it's just designed to keep you right there on the in the rat wheel, you know, just spinning that thing, not going anywhere, but just spinning. And if you get off, the thing slows down. You, feel, I gotta hurry, and jump back on there and get this thing going again. So I commend you, man. That's that's a long way. I mean, look at you. You've got a house and you're building a deck and you've got kit, like, and and, and now you just went out on your own, so you're no longer working the nine to five. So man, what a what a journey for you. I commend you for that because the reality, the sad reality, is most men don't don't escape that so good work to you man i appreciate it you know and to, to the counterpoint yeah i did work really hard of course you I have to work but i also worked smart right I also yeah that's not what i'm out. saying and i think people right, right. listening know that it's like that doesn't mean you, you shouldn't work hard it just means there's yeah, other things that that's not play the here. only thing you have <laughs> that's do. right that's right yeah yeah but man before we wrap up, I just want to ask you, you've been talking uh, about ways to lead your community and you've mentioned it several times. You, you've talked about, you know, coaching, uh, being a good dad, being a good husband, uh, you, you serving in politics. You've mentioned that quite a bit. Do you have plans to run for office in any capacity? You know, I, I, I hadn't for a very long time, but 
I f sometimes I feel like I'm the like the only sane person in the area, you know, and and I know that's not true. Like the, I have friends that obviously are are very rational and and very successful, and but sometimes I feel like the the amount of us who are just just rational, level-headed people is few and far between. So I, I never was interested in running for politics. And frankly, I'm not really interested now, but I feel like there's, it's time to get involved, even if it's just at city council level, you know, and just have some say in what's going on in your community um, and, and wake some of these people up and counter some of this bullshit and nonsense. I think it's actually becoming about that time. And I'm in the position financially and, and emotionally to be able to uh, consider doing some of that. So yeah, I, I probably will at some point. Um, I don't know what capacity that is, but it's time to get involved for sure. Mickler 2024. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know about that stuff, but, uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see where it goes, but yeah, I do. I do feel like I need to get involved. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's been really awesome to watch your progression. Uh, I, I jumped on board with, the order of man about six months into its, you know, existence. Yeah. And I, I watched what you build. I watched the, the birth of the iron council, which is your exclusive members only group. Yeah. Um, I watched you start the podcast. I watched you start bringing on these awesome guests and making all these different connections. And I watched the legacy event, you know, come about. I watched your product line come about. You know, I watched you when you moved from, uh, you were living in Hurricane, Utah. Yeah, right? that's right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You and you said it right too. So so good work. You gotta say Hurricane, not Utah. Hurricane. Oh, I you have, do. I okay. have friends in Utah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's spelled Hurricane, right? But you gotta say Hurricane. We're from Hurricane. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah I watched your 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 move to set up your Order of Man compound there in Maine, which that barn you have is freaking. Oh, awesome. it's amazing. It's that phenomenal. Awesome. I'm going to have to come up there and check it out. I've got a, a good friend. Anytime. You know him as well, uh, Zach Small. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's up in Rhode Island. So. Oh, he is? I don't think I knew up. that. Yeah, he's in Rhode Island. You'll have to do an East but, Coast uh, tour. Well, I told him there needs to be a competition because I'm an FOE member, you know, the Fraternity uh -huh. of Excellence. Yeah. I thought oh, there needs to be like a, a capture the flag type competition between the Order of Man and the That would be awesome. I would love that. That would be a lot of fun up. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I said, you know, I said, I said, you and Mickler aren't that far apart. I said, so yeah, you could we're pretty drive close. Down, I said, so you could just drive down and or or drive up and you know steal his flag and you know that'd be funny. Back, put you know? put like his flag on my barn or something, and then like yeah, like, put yeah his that'd, flag be, on your that'd barn. actually be funny. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be really funny. And just keep going back and forth doing yeah. that. I told him we need to set that up somehow. That'd be funny. You know, we've been doing the uh, the FOE meetups where we're either all go to Denver, we all go to Florida. Uh -huh. <laughs> COVID nineteen shut all that down. But, of course, yeah. I mean, you got some private property out there. We should set that up. Oh yeah, I, I've got uh, I've got about twenty five to thirty airsoft guns, so we can get a few of us and come over here and shoot each other and get something set up. Oh yeah, I'll run it by. We definitely need to do it. Cool, man. I'm on I'm on board with it. All right. Well. uh Ryan, thanks, man, for coming on the show. Thanks, brother. I appreciate the opportunity. Good to talk, as always. Oh, yeah. And uh, we'll definitely have to do it again uh, if you ever decide to uh, run for office. 
we definitely, I, you know, I would love to have you on. You could promote your platform. Okay. I'll, and, I'll uh, let you know. I'll let you know when that takes place. I'll, I'll keep you in a loop on that one. Yeah. Or anything else. Uh, so one last question before we wrap, is there another book in the works? Yeah, there is. Um, I'm not as far along as I'd like to be on it because frankly, I hate the book writing process. <laughs> <laughs> I despise the book writing process. Um, but it needs to happen because I've got some things I need to share. So yeah, there is another book in the works, but like I said, I'm just not as far along as I'd like to be. So I, ca I can't really disclose any of it. Uh, of Excuse me. I keep, uh, keep a lot of it close to my chest because I'm finding more and more people are watching what we're doing. So, um, yeah, I keep, I keep a lot of my ideas pretty close to the chest though, so. but, uh, but I'll let you know when it comes available or when we're getting Excellent. close. Yeah. Work in silent, execute in public. That's like right. It. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, brother, we're going to wrap this one again. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it, man. Great to talk. Yep. Uh, and guys, you can find this episode on every single platform. Make sure you subscribe. If you're on Apple or Google Play, leave a review. Uh, I don't think you guys understand how much those reviews help get the message out to more and more people. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode. This has been Jeff and Ryan. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Rugged Legacy Podcast. I hope you've been enjoying the content on all of the episodes, especially this one here. If you'd like to become a contributor and support this podcast, you can go to anchor.fm slash rugged legacy and click on the support icon. Everyone wants to rise from the ashes, but very few are willing to set themselves on fire. This has been a Rugged Legacy production.